0: This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast is brought to you by Shiny Side Up. Join the Shiny Side Up team for a very special live stream event on the 10th of April for a chance to win your share of over $8,000 worth of prizes. We'll be joined by some awesome local and international motorcycling experts, such as Chaotic Blonde, Sam McCafferty, Andrew Stroud, Kevin Williams, Dr. Chris Hurren, Jay Reeve, and Charlie Borman. Shiny Side Up Online, April 10th, 2022. Proudly brought to you by Ride Forever, ACC, Waka Kotahi New Zealand Transport Agency, and MSAC. For more information, check out the Shiny Side Up Facebook page or shinysideup.co.nz. And thanks for supporting Kiwi Rider Podcast. Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray here and great to have you along. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. If this is your first episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast you've listened to, welcome. Great to have you along. Later in the show, we're going to be catching up with the big man on campus as far as ACC, Ride Forever, and Shiny Side Up goes. We're going to be talking to Dave Kelty. Uh, we're going to put some hard questions to him. We're going to find out more information about Shiny Side Up online on the 10th of April. But before we go any further, we need to catch up with Todd Hislin, Old Mate Todd, about. About, uh, his recent track escapades
1: real real real, real kiwi riders real. real real kiwi riders real kiwi riders
0: time to catch up once again with old mate Todd Todd get g'day Todd last time we spoke you were getting ready to go up north for a massive road trip two days on track up at Hampton
2: Downs with California Superbike School yes thank you for having me back and it wasn't Hampton Downs it was Pukekoi oh was it I thought you said yes. Hampton Downs. Oh, Cook well, No, then. no. Actually, I believe last time we we, were, we recorded this, I corrected you. So that's going to be fun. Oh, well, <laughs> whatever.
0: One of those tracks up there. I've never been One to of either those. of them. Well, it's a lie, actually. You should. I, I did some uh, when I had a Ute. I did some rescue uh, work around uh, Hampton Downs, but I've never been to Cook All right. Uh, so start from the start. You got on the road uh, on what was it like Wednesday? Yep,
2: Wednesday morning, I I made the decision because it was about seven hours to get up there plus a few stops. So I made the decision to uh, because I was away for like four full days. Um, I thought what I would do is spend the morning with my wife on Wednesday morning, kind of hang out so didn't feel like I was away for the whole day and then I just took off around 9am. So um, that was nice, got to hang out and then just hit the road and arrived there close to five o'clock I think it was. Um, so yeah, it was just a just a casual day riding. And the weather was all right on the way up? It was hot on the way up actually. I prepared for the rain. Which we can talk about later and uh it was just stinking hot the whole way it was funny when when i got to the track on thursday morning it reminded me of uh going to Sepang international circuit in malaysia for the MotoGP. gp like it was just humid and just hot and sticky and everything else um so yeah that was that was not so pleasant but luckily the airbnb I had had a pool um so i got up there and jumped straight in the pool that's fantastic very nice um
0: you rode up there on the tiger and all the gear was safely stowed in the evo 60 Jetstream stream pack on the evo rack on the back of the tiger yeah that's
2: right yep i reused the pack again from the last track day i did and yeah it all fits in i actually forgot Oh, I'll go again. So I actually forgot that it has the expansion zipper. So I was squeezing everything in, trying to make it all fit. And then I looked down, I'm like, oh, I can give myself an extra inch of room. So unzipped that, lifted it all up and everything fit in perfectly. I still have my Krieger backpack though, um, because I wanted to have some things on me um, and everything else, particularly like the boots and the uh, full tracksuit and my chest protector and back protector, all that was in the um, Ventura pack.
0: And you didn't believe me that that would be a pretty good solution, did you? If you want to check out the installation video, um, head to YouTube and search out T7 Adventures uh, on YouTube. Um, It's all there. Plus, motorNZ.com is a story on it as well. Uh, But yeah, Todd, uh, late last year, saying, oh, I need to go do um, do track stuff and I need to take all this gear. And I said to him, tell you what, Evo 60 pack on the back of your bike. There'll be a rack for it from Ventura and you'll be away laughing. Oh, I don't know about that. Nope. Sorted.
2: Yeah, you were right. I I just had a perception that the uh, race suit wouldn't fold up as well as it did, but yeah, you when you fold it, at the knees and fold it, at the elbows, the whole thing kind of turns into a little pack, which is quite nice. You so,
0: actually used that um, that that setup for other things recently too, like a trip to Mida
2: Ten. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, set out uh, sent out by my wife to get some pots, um, some plastic pots from Mida Ten. I thought, you know what? Instead of holding it under my jacket, I'll just throw it into the Ventura rack. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, you know, obviously we, we did a video on this. I was really surprised with how quick it is to throw on the bike because I don't keep it on the whole time. But pop the rack in, Put the big 60 liter thing on which had plenty of room more than i needed but it was really quick so yeah beats a top box
0: how did it handle uh, all that way riding did you is it like oh, I didn't even notice it was there or i could feel the weight
2: or did it catch the wind what's the story so it doesn't catch the wind you do feel the weight if you load it up if you don't load it up you won't feel it um I do we the way we installed it in the video is the way i kept it so it's facing forward so the weight's a lot closer to me so as opposed to the pillion seat as opposed to hanging over the tail exactly yeah exactly so that worked well um i didn't need to adjust my preload to uh, make it work but i could feel the bike handling a slightly bit different so two turns of preload would have sorted that out but i didn't bother actually to be fair it it happened when I went up to um, Manfield as well. I packed my tools at the very bottom of the kit. So I'm riding down the road. I'm like, oh, I should adjust my preload. And I realized I have to take my whole race suit and everything out to get to my uh, <laughs> T-wrench to be able to change my preload. So that was, that's always my fault. Um, but yeah, it, it felt fine. It handled reasonably well um there's definitely that notice it's it's just like when you put a um, a pillion on the back you just notice notice the bike doesn't turn quite as quick doesn't flick into the corners as well so you just have to be mindful of that and um not push the front too much
0: always a, a bit of a compromise when you've got to carry luggage on a bike right totally
2: totally and you're uh, you're doing a trip too soon so you've been putting luggage on your bike
0: yes we'll talk about that afterwards because i'm really keen to hear about okay. california superbike school Okay. So you got up to uh, to to Pukakoi. You um, yep. had two days on track. Thursday, Friday. Uh, tell us about it. What what did you do? What, was was it just get up there, sign in, go for
2: it, or what? So I did level one and level two, um, and there's also level three and four. Level one was pretty much. Oh, I should say both days there was really only one session on each day where you were using your brakes. Pretty much both days are really focused on other fundamental skills of riding that sort of the the not using your brakes encourages you to really focus on the skill as opposed to just trying to be fast. Because once you take your brakes away, you you can't just go out there and go flat out because you you got that limitation where you're going to pick off where you're going to close the throttle. Um, So the first first session of the first day was all about throttle control. Um, They, they take a really good approach where you go to classroom, you go through a 20 minute class and then you talk about something and then you get on track, you practice it. And then after that session, you go immediately to your coach. Everyone has a coach that's assigned to them. Uh, A coach looks after three people and um, they will give you some direct feedback from that 20-minute session that they saw you on track. So what they saw you doing wrong, what they saw you, where you did really well. Um, And they also kind of will grab you on track and say like, hey, like follow me or they'll point out something that they see you're not doing. Um, That's very specific to the one skill you're working on. So first day was really just about throttle control and turning points and really having a good perception of where we are in time and space on the track. Um, and then that was, that was great. A lot of people who just did level one um, got a lot out of it. Um, but then I obviously went on to do level two in the second day.
0: Brilliant. And level two was more of the same, but the next step.
2: Uh, you could say that. Yeah. So it's like an evolution. Um, level two was about vision more than anything else. And, I, I really got a lot out of level two. Um, I'll, I'll try, I'll, I'll break down one of the, uh, the, at least the part that I got a lot out of. So we were talking a lot about where we focus our vision. And we all know that wherever you look, this is very true for the offer, um, the adventure and off-road biking community as well. Wherever you look, you're going to go. And that just happens you know, so predictably that we just always have to practice where we look. One of the things that they really narrowed in on for the Superbike School was the idea of uh, the periphery vision and how good our periphery vision is at judging uh, motion and distance and speed. And this all comes back to where we should be looking, particularly so on on day one, we're looking at kind of a two-step, so your turning point and then your um, apex in the corner. And then on level two, you're looking at a three-step where it's your turning point, your apex, and then your exit. And this is where your kind of focal vision is looking, but then your periphery takes in everything else. So you may have a rider riding around you. You might have like a flag waving. You might have something that caught your eye on the side of the track. And to be able to trust your periphery, to be able to judge those risks and, um, give that information back to your brain without you turning your eyes and your head and everything else is really, really challenging. And the session that we did, I think it was session three of um, day two, I came back and talked to my, my coach and I said, I'm just tired. I'm so exhausted because I feel like I've seen two, three times the amount of information that I saw throughout these entire two days. Like I just absorbed so much more information about what was going on by really paying attention to what was happening in the periphery while still keeping my focus on turning point apex and exit. and everything felt blurry. That was kind of interesting because, like, I, I, I thought that my vision was good. I came back and I was like, you know what? Everything seems blurry to me right now. And then I realized it's not because everything is blurry, it's because I'm seeing so much more. And all of that stuff is not where I'm focusing. It's in my periphery that I have to take in. So, the biggest example was on the first day when I would overtake a rider or, or a rider would overtake me, I would kind of like look at them and look back at my road, like, look back at the turn point and look at them and look back. And I'd be moving around and you can kind of get away with that when not much is happening if you're going slow. But once you're going fast, then if you're looking back and forth between two different objects, you can just pass 30, 40 meters. And that can be the difference between you making a very silly mistake and falling off and not Um, even on the road, because a lot of us will travel at 100 Ks hour on the road. So um, being able to move from. Like looking at these riders who I'm overtaking or they're overtaking me, to just kind of noticing them and trusting them in that blurry side periphery vision, uh, made a huge difference just to my consistency at turning at the exact same point on every corner of every lap. Wow. Okay. Great. What sort of people should do California Superbike School? Who should do it? I think someone who is is in the mindset just, that
0: is this just I, for people who want to go fast on track. Or does this help with road skills
2: too? So it does help with road skills. And I think that that gets said a lot, but maybe a more accurate way to answer that question is someone who sees that there's an opportunity that they can learn to get more consistent and more precise in their riding. So if you just riding on the road and you really do not care and you think that you know enough and you just don't, have any capacity you don't want to learn anymore then don't don't go because it's going to be boring to sit in class get told to do one thing and go and repeat that for 20 minutes like you have to want to learn you have to want to improve and it's more than anything else is once you Get a concept you hear a concept like you know wherever you look you go and you know your vision matters and you sit there and you nod your head yeah obvious i knew that but then you go and try it and you realize how bloody hard it is to do it consistently on every corner of every lap like you just miss it over and over again and that humbling sort of nature of it is something you've got to be willing to accept because if you're not willing to accept that it's a waste of 600 bucks to go and just yeah, um, nod your head and go back and ride in your old ways. So, yeah, definitely not if you just want to ride on track, but you definitely have to have an attitude that you're willing to learn. Newfound found
0: respect. I know you already respected them, but um, understanding of the work that uh, Miller, Marquez and Rossi plus the rest of them do?
2: Yeah. It's um, when you realize how hard, how hard it is to do the basic stuff, and they just do it in like a fraction of the second and they do it every lap. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um,
0: I d- yeah. I, did you see, you know, I got three races into that. I, did you did. Just say yeah, Rossi. I got a couple of the yeah. the lesser known ones too. I know you got a whiteboard in
2: front of you. You're a prepared <laughs> gentleman. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> no, I uh, Miller. Miller's my new favorite. I like him. He's cool. He's funny. Yeah, yeah.
2: He, uh, he cuts pretty loose, so it's fun. Yeah.
0: Uh, and then you slept, you came home Saturday, seven hours on the bike, and the weather had turned to custard. It did.
2: Actually, I didn't mention that the first day at the bike School was, as I said, like Sepanga, it was really hot and humid, but the second day was wet. Um, so when we're up there, the second day was wet and that actually was quite good because we were talking about vision, right? So when, when we know what it's like, you're riding on a wet road and there's like a puddle and there's like a greasy spot, like your eyes are all over the place and it's so easy to be distracted um so being on a wet day meant that you had to go slower um but then you also had all these opportunities to be distracted that were really obvious and it was really good for practicing that um, i'll tell you some a few stories about the tiger as well on the track later but yes riding back um second or oh, the day i was riding back was just terrible we we all have probably by the time everyone is listening to this, they will have seen and heard of Cyclone Dovi coming through and dumping rain over the North Island. And yeah, I luckily I missed the worst day, which is the day we're recording. But um, when I came back, yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, My gear lasted about five hours before it didn't. And then I was just saturated. And yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time on a bike when it's dry, and it's even worse when, it, when it's wet.
0: To be fair, though, five hours is pretty good. Uh, where was that we did it leak first. Was it right in the middle of the crutch? <laughs> uh,
2: no, that was that was almost last. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I think my gloves le- leaked first because they're. Um, you know, like race gloves, they're, they're leather and nice, but they don't, they're not made for, um, supporting hours of water. But luckily for me, I had my heated grips. So I turned those on and that kept them, um, that kept the blood in my hands, which is good. It wasn't necessarily cold, but you know what it's like when your hands like are are submerged in water for that long, they're just wrinkly and you got no feel. So having the heated grips helped. Uh, I got a lot of, uh, on the, on the, uh, chest. So because the way that my backpack was set up, I had a couple of vents open where my Krieger was sort of coming in and it was okay. The light rain, it was fine. But when the downpour came, I didn't have any opportunity to pull over. I think it was on like desert road at that point. So I was just like getting slammed with water and yeah, my chest got quite wet. Um, and it was only then that I, my, my crotch got full of water so um i can say the revit gear is pretty good because it's got the independent lining on the inside so that's good but if it leaked leaked with your
0: vents open that's to be expected (laughs) yeah
2: no that's that's we call that rider error yeah (laughs) but it did last pretty well until then
0: nice one well i'm I'm glad you you learned some stuff and had a blast while you're up there um I was going to say something else, but uh, actually, I uh, I did a road trip um, about two years ago when I was still riding the uh, MTO7. And I one day I rode up to Ty Happy, which was you know a yep. nice little uh, jaunt. And then from Ty Happy, we were doing the Gentle Annie. So Ty Happy, Napier, and then all the way down to Wellington in one day. And within, Ooh, that's a lot in a day. Within half an hour of getting on the Gentle Annie, within half an hour of leaving Ty Happy, it started raining. And I was drenched. Then uh, I remember standing up, getting off the bike, standing up in Napier or Hastings and water just running down my leg. And then I had to ride from there all the way down State Highway Two to Wellington in the wet, and it was. And I had heated grips. One heated grip died, so I had. I think it was the left one still working. I was wearing motocross gloves, so they were just never going to be waterproof. Uh, my hands looked like wrinkled up old prunes. It's not fun riding in the rain.
2: It's not. It's not if you're not prepared for it, or if you weren't prepared to do it for that long, right? It's okay if you've got good gear, you can do an hour. And it's like, oh, that's a bit chilly. Go have a shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it's like for a long, <laughs> long number of hours, you know, when you know you're like two or three hours from home, and it's just, I, you think you're like you're done. Like I, I'm ready to jump off right now, but I really can't. I just have to keep going. And that that last hour is always the worst. In fact, while we're sharing stories, one time
0: uh, on my very, very first bike, Honda VT250F, a 1986 model, could have been an 84 model, one of those anyway, uh, rode from Invercargill to Christchurch on a Friday night. And uh, we're talking, like, it's South Island. It's the south of the south. It was pretty cold. And I remember getting into Christchurch um, quite late and you know when you're that cold, you're chilled to you're, you're chilled to the core, and it, like yeah. a quick shower is just not going to warm you up. You're actually cold and shivering for about three hours. I believe they call it, they call that
2: hypothermia. Potentially, <laughs> it didn't
0: feel that serious. That could, that could explain <laughs> a lot of things,
2: Ray. That could explain a lot of things. <laughs> okay, so I, I have had an experience on a um, I don't this might have been in Australia, I think, where there was a downpour. And it was so much rain and I was so wet that all I could do was just laugh. Like I I was hysterical with just how bad it was. It's like this I am literally swimming on this bike. I am so wet I may as well be in the ocean and I just remember laughing. Um, It wasn't cold though. If I was cold I think I'd probably be shivering but it was middle of summer and it was just so much water. Um, Yeah, it was an experience.
0: Now last time we talked um, you were coming back one day and then the next day you were going to go bucket racing Um,
2: but you didn't get to go bucket racing. No, for the same reason we're talking about for the rain. So they were going to do it, but I was riding another fellow's bike and I haven't ridden at Kaitoki before either. So I just, yeah, I said, look, I'm, I'm out. I don't want to bin someone else's bike when I'm trying to learn the bike and the track. And then an hour later, they can the event for everyone. Um, so that's okay. That That's going to be put back on again soon. Hopefully it's before my trip to Australia. Uh, that would be ideal because I really want to give that a try. And, uh, yeah, that, that can round off my, my racing experience for now. Did have a good chat with, uh, Chappy about the, um, the rental bikes they're running for, um, the motor TT events. They got a little Ninja 300. So I reckon I'll probably take that out one, one track day soon and, uh, give a little bike a try. Cause I, I think I pushed the tiger about as far as the tiger will scream uh, before either it or me gave up. So uh, How is I definitely the tiger? need to. Is the it.
0: tiger still talking to you? Uh, Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I had to go down to uh, check the vitals today. Um, she didn't look too happy with me. Probably uh, about due for an
0: oil <laughs> change, I'd say.
2: So. Yeah, I'm pretty much on $5,000. Sorry, $5,000. 5000 kilometers since I last did it. And since then, I've done three days on track. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely due to uh, replace some of those consumables. I was actually worried that I had a fork seal leak, but it was just the dirt and grime from the road when I brought it back home that it was just pulling up on the ground uh, from all the water. But it, there was no more – there was no oil there today. So, lucky for me, I feel like it is So, it's okay. either all good or you've or you've lost all the oil on the road back. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't need one fork. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, the Tiger did great on track. Uh, it. Performed really well. Uh, I, I love. I love the delta between huh, not the virus. Um, the 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 difference, I should say, between when people see the bike and they're like, "Oh, okay, you be you be safe on that big bike out there," and then you go slamming around the track, and they're like, "Oh, that thing goes pretty 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 good." Uh, what what's what sort of tires do you have on that thing? <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, well, I think I told you a uh, lot. If anyone who knows the track, um, the last turn turn, hang on, i got a map in front of me, turn 11 of Pukekohe. Um, is kind of quite bumpy. Uh, so it's a right-hand corner. Uh, it's like fourth gear, almost flat out in the tiger. And by the end of the first day I was scraping the right peg kind of with those bumps, just kind of jamming the bike up and down, but the suspension was running really well. So I, yeah, felt really safe. I didn't really feel like I was properly at my limit over the over those two days, even though the bike was performing really, really well. Um, the only thing that caught me out was nearly losing the front on the wet day because it, the, It's a 21 inch front rim, you just don't have a lot of rubber on the road. Um, And then also coming down the straight, there seems to be like a bit of a river crossing the track. So I'm like fourth gear, absolutely flat out. I don't know how fast that would be because we covered up our speedo, Um, but I'm going down the the, the front straight and then all of a sudden the back wheel just starts drifting sideways. Um, Quite a surreal experience. Um, so I tried it again the next lap, and the same thing happened. And I realized, okay, that's my that's my cue. I should not hold it flat out for that portion of the track because there's clearly something on there. Um, but yeah, I was everywhere else it was fantastic. It's performing really well. Whoever says you can't push a 21 inch front wheel is They've never tried. They've never tried. Those those things are incredibly more capable than people will give it credit on YouTube. There's a whole, oh 21-inch front wheel. Can't push this bike as much as you can with a 19, but you can push them pretty hard. Sounds like an epic adventure for anyone thinking about uh, getting on track. Uh, You'd highly recommend California Superbike School? Yeah, absolutely. I believe they've got uh, got one in April, but that's going to be nearly sold out. So uh, I think the next one's going to be November. Um, that they're going to run some i think they may be doing manfield as well as Pukakoi, so uh we can get cover a bit more of the country at least in north island
0: brilliant well i'll look forward to catching up with the next uh adventure
2: yes absolutely i think next time i'll be taking that little ninja 300 on a track day so we'll talk about that uh, i've honestly never had a decent experience a decent i've never had a long period of time on a sport bike before i've done like a test ride of an r1 uh, and i've ridden a mate's little something 250 but yeah i've never actually had good time on a sport bike so it'd be fun to just take a little 300 and smash it around the track figure out if i know how to ride a, a sport bike compared to an adventure bike
0: so keep up to date with todd's uh track adventures just hit that subscribe button um share this podcast with a riding buddy of yours and i'm sure they'll find it uh, entertaining todd thanks for your time my pleasure And catching up now, I've been talking about it for a long time. Shiny Side Up, the online event, is happening on the 10th of April. Catching up now with uh, a big man on campus as far as Shiny Side Up goes, Ride Forever, and of course over at ACC as well, uh, Dave Kelty. G'day, Dave. How you doing? I'm good, Ray. How are you keeping yourself? Yeah, ticking along, ticking along. Um, Shiny Side Up. Uh, before we go into what's happening this year, let's mm-hmm. delve into the history
1: of it. You've been there since the f- day one, right? I have. I've been uh, I've been looking after ride forever for the best part of four, far too long. Um, I think 2012 when I first arrived, um, jumped jumped in and out a couple of times, but here I am back again and, uh, and giving it another nudge. Um, so history of the of the event. Uh, it came up from 2016. Uh, which I'm sure a few of the local Wellington team will will remember. Um, it was uh, it was it was basically around um, working out what we could do um, for riders that hadn't already been done, and I think that's the that's the main thing that 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 we struggled with um, something new and something engaging. Um, and speaking with Wellington Council, um, they were keen to, to run an event of some sort, uh, and, uh, and and this is basically the the start of it. Um, obviously, I had a few contacts here and there um, from from the UK and from the US. So this is where where we first got in contact with Brittany, Brittany Morrow, um, and that first year's event, um, we we expected you know a few people to come along and. and uh, and we had fifteen hundred, maybe more, turn up on the day. Uh, it was an absolutely fantastic event. Uh, got some really good promotion, uh, and and at the end of the day, uh, the following year we got all the councils coming back to us saying, "Why didn't it happen in my area?" Um, so, so that
0: first event was the um, was
1: a bike fest
0: event up at Southwood Car Museum,
1: right? That's right. Yeah. So just one off, it was was what it was supposed to be—a one-off event. Uh, celebrate everything great about riding. Um, but then show everybody what the, what, what, what the government is doing and, and present on, on ride Forever so people got, got to know more about it. Um, I was there to answer everybody's questions, of course. Uh, you know, there's, there's quite a lot stuck in my head over the years. Um, so it was really about about putting, putting people's uh, concerns to, to bed, um, being able to answer the questions that, are, that have been rummaging around and, and proliferating around the scene for a while and, and getting direct source um, but but so it was really about celebrating the motorcycle you know, world and, and bringing us all together for a, for a really exciting event um, and then pre- preventing opportunities to, to register for ride forever so people could give it a go, um, do presentations from, from overseas experts. So it's not just government saying, oh, we know what's going on. You know, we've got some real experts in the room that'll confirm, you know, what we're saying. So. Yeah, really good
0: event. And from there, it just grew, didn't it? Um, it, it grew oh. into um, a, a few bike fest events around the Traps. And then over the years, you brought in the talk series events, which go into a lot mm. more smaller markets around the place. To, uh, to the first year that I was involved, 2020, we had, I believe, 11 talk series events across the country and four bike fests.
1: That, that's right uh, so the bike fests were the all-day live events um, the talk fest was a way of us um, getting getting into regions that we we obviously weren't going to be able to full, put on a full-sized uh, bike fest um, but but still had enough riders for us to do something you know it, it, it seemed a real shame that we had the, these uh, the, these these great talent on end um but we're only using them for these one-day events so so we put together this idea this concept of actually traveling around the country into some of the more 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 rural settings um and and pushing out that way um that again started like you say with with half a dozen of those um and then it's grown and i think this year we were we were planning on on nearly four on 14 of those talk fest events but unfortunately due to due to Covid and everybody knows the impact that that's had on, on the country and events in particular. Um, we've had to cut them back and uh, and last last year we we put together an, an online event um, over a very very short period um, because everybody you know all the talent was lined up there was a lot of investment um, so we thought all right if we can't put on the the physical events then then how do we present online. Um, so, so we went through through an online process um, and did a did a six hour Sunday event, um, really well received. It was a fantastic event. Um, so this year um, we we had planned to do, like I say, fourteen talk fests, and I think it was three or four um, of the of the of the bike fest events. Uh, but COVID's put pay to all that, and uh, and but what we what that has enabled us to do then is as as we've had to cancel them as as we've got closer to delivery, um, we our focus now is on delivering a really special um, online event, and the great thing about online is that anybody in the country can tune in. Doesn't matter where you are doesn't matter if it's just you've just got your mobile available whether you're sitting on your couch watching your TV you can tune in on your smart TV there's so many ways to get to get on board this time and so hopefully we reach into every every riders uh, back pocket and they get their phone out and uh, and they and they Carry, take take notice and, and have a look and see what's going on.
0: Now we are going to dive deeply into what we can expect for the online event this year but before we go too hmm. far into that, I just did, I did want to clarify one little point and that was sure. uh, that the, the talk series and the bike fest events were actually being planned Now I've heard a couple of people say ah, bloody government just wants to penny pinch they've spent too much money on COVID response and they can't afford to do bike fest and talk series stuff. No, no, no they were actually in the pipeline, weren't they? they? They went all the way to the executive and they said, we can't do it in the current yeah. climate.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, we had everything from Invercargill um, right up to in, into, the, into the far north where we were intending to get into this year. Across the board, we have heaps planned. Um, we did, you know, when 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 the uh, when COVID started to impact, certainly you know, we 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 wrote a, a brief that went right up to the up to the top um, to see if we could if we could get permission. Um, unfortunately, um, the answer was no, uh, and so we've we've had to refocus, like I said, and and put in a bit of effort into this online event is is what's happened at the end of the day. Now, I've been, it is a bit disappointing, but, you know, them's the breaks
0: in the current climate, and we, we none mm. of us have control over any of that. So um, now yeah. let, let's talk about the online event. Uh, sure. We've got some epic talent lined up for this online event, haven't we? Um, the Can first we- big name that pops into my mind Charlie Borman. Charlie Borman.
1: Yeah. So uh, so we've been lucky to get get Charlie um, to, to to give us a bit of a spiel, which is great. Um, something that we haven't haven't really uh, we really done historically. Uh, a couple of times we've thought about about getting a big name in to, to give us a bit of a spiel. Um, haven't quite managed it. Had the budget, you know, whatever reason uh, it hasn't come off. But this time, yeah, Charlie Charlie Borman is going to be joining us. Uh, In the morning. It's going to be great to hear from Charlie. And then, of course,
0: we've got local and international talent joining us. And um, local talent being Chaotic Blonde, you might have seen her all over social media. We've got Andrew Stroud, who's famous for riding that, uh, well, famous for being an amazing motorcyclist, but also riding that Britain V1000. Uh, Jay Reeve, a lot of names, a lot of people will know that name from the Rock radio station. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he's tied in, he's an ambassador for Harley Davidson. Um, Yep. And then international talent, Dr. Chris Huron, he's joined us previously. Uh, he's uh, mm-hmm. tied up with Motocamp, uh, talking about, you know, the gear that we wear and how it's tested. Uh, Kevin Williams and Sam McCafferty as well. That's right. So you can go Sam
1: McCafferty. Is, is he overseas or is he a local? Well, he's a New Zealander, but he does live in Italy. Uh, so, you know, there's there's, there's a bit there. Um, Sam's really exciting. As you know, he's Ducati designer. Um, so, so really exciting. Um, getting him on board. Um, a couple that we've heard from before, so Chris and Kevin, um, Chris Chris Horan, Dr. Chris Horan. He runs motor cap uh, testing, as as you say. Um, but they're bringing out a few new things now, and and they're they're focusing in on focusing on helmets and and having a look at, at, a, at a at a system called Crash. au. Um, where they're testing um, Australian, New Zealand helmet sales. So rather than the the, the the European one, where there's a lot of information about helmets that, that are never going to be for sale here, um, crashes starting to to, to influence uh, uh, what's going on in the New Zealand and uh, and Australian sites. Um, interesting as well that they that they do a different type of testing. So it's it's more focused on um on the on the proper crash types. So it's the deflective um impact as well which which i believe aren't done in in the in the uk um testing service so that's going to be really interesting and, and their focus obviously on keeping riders safe and and the whole point of motorcap isn't to, isn't always to go on there so that you can look and buy the best thing on there um, Motorcap actually uh, is, is, is a great source of information. So if you were to have a look at the, at the website and you don't find a jacket or you don't find the pants or gloves or whatever that, that you like, that, that, that you really want to buy, the one thing that it does do is it informs you about what to look out for and what to look at when you're going to buy it to, to make a purchase. So, you know, make sure that you've got these things in there. Make sure that this is what's, uh, what's available so that you're not buying just rubbish, um, at the end of the day, we, we know from all this testing already, um, the name on there doesn't necessarily mean that it's a great product. Um, the price that you pay, again, doesn't necessarily mean it's the best product. And um, We've got some real, real affordable items on Motorcap um, that, that really are performing at the highest level. And the, and the other point to remember as well, which I've talked to Chris about many, many times, is is Motocap um, is a five star rating system. But of course, if you're if you're riding around uh, around town, you do most of your riding is is a, an urban ride. You don't need five star rated gear for that. You could look at the two or three star rating. Um, and quite often, um, when you look at look at the research that goes behind why is that one a two star, quite often it's because it doesn't have any any of the protection inserts into it. So by getting the the two star jacket and chucking some protection in, all of a sudden it would become a three or a four star jacket. So so worth knowing what you're looking for.
0: So much good information. I'm really looking forward to catching up with uh, Dr. Mm. Chris Huron this year. Um, yeah. Let's talk about what's in it for me. Of course, there's there's so much information that can be can be uh, gleaned, so many nuggets of information that can be picked up from a shiny side up event. But I can also win a whole swag of gear. No I can't because I'm going to be on the on the uh, on the screen there, uh, and you can't, yeah. Dave, because you're behind the scenes and I assume um, exempt from go, entering to win these prizes, but we've got a massive swag of prizes for the punters if they tune in and uh, into the competitions and um, sign
1: up for the ride forever courses right that's right yeah lots and lots and lots of prizes this this year um, we, we've We've got a couple of different uh, different um, big prize packs that you can win. Um, so we've we've set them up so that they're very different, um, but you know, you have a listen, listen to 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 when those those big prizes are coming, uh, and you never know, you might get in and, and, and win one of those yourself. Um, so prize pack one is a, if you, I'll I'll take you through them. Prize pack one um, is a motorcycle backpack with with the hard hard shell cover. Um, that's a really nice piece of kit. Um, we've got a Cardo pack talk. Up for up for grabs. Oh, that's a twin um, pack as well. So that's worth that, almost a thousand it, bucks. That's right. Yeah, uh, we've got a we've got a massive bucket of cleaning products. Uh, we've got MTA vouchers. Uh, the puncture repair kit, so that when you're out and about and you get a puncture, you know you can still you can still repair it and get it get back on your way. Um, in price pack two, we've got a, a camel pack. We've got a. a I can't remember which intercom I think it's still a card in- no it's not an intercom we changed the intercom on this pack it is a tracker I believe yeah a Monimoto
0: <laughs> 7 GPS tracker which um, is yeah. quite a cool bit of kit because you have the you have the, the the key fob on your keys and the sensor in the bike and if the bike is moved when it senses the keys are near it it won't mm. uh, do anything but if it doesn't sense yeah. the keys it'll send you a message on your phone and say oh, I'm i being taken here yeah I'm oh, off
1: you better buy Follow me, yeah. So that's that's awesome. And looking at how um, bike thefts are increasing, you know that this is a well worth product to be uh, to be grabbing. <clears throat> but but also it's great, obviously, you know track, tracking your ride. is a fantastic thing to do. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of uses there.
0: Also in um, that prize all- pack, we've got a set of tires up to the value of six hundred dollars. Does that mean the person that wins that gets to choose their own set of tires?
1: Um, absolutely, yeah. So it is like you said, up up to. Um, $600. So you get a set of tyres, perfect you know, to, 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 to replace those, one of the most expensive uh, items that we have on, on the bike, and it can, uh, it can make a big difference to the way you ride. So having those on 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 hand is just fantastic.
0: Also in that prize pack, uh, Muck Off Cleaning Kit, uh, MTA gift voucher, $100 worth of fuel. Man, that's a couple of tanks with a gas, if not more on a bike. Mind you the way, if yeah, fuel's going cool. crikey. Who wants to pay for that? Yeah. And a tubeless tyre repair kit, which is uh, a very Ooh. handy piece of kit to have on your bike. Yeah. Also some spot prizes. MTA vouchers up the Yin Yang to give away. Uh, Muck Off Cleaning Kits, Motorcycle Maintenance and Service service so a person that wins that can go to their local workshop and get their bike serviced and you'll pay for it up to the value of 600 bucks that's right yep uh we've got motorcycle gear vouchers same deal uh more mta gift vouchers and a set of oxford heated grips um that's Mm. possibly the best thing you could do for a motorcycle i reckon in this climate Uh, very handy in winter Nothing better, eh,
1: than warm hands while you're
0: riding. Other prizes include uh, muck-off cleaning kits, motorcycle stand and MTA gift voucher for the winner of the show and shine. And a runner-up will pick up a uh, muck-off cleaning kit. Dave, do you know how the show and shine's going to work in this um, online environment? Um,
1: to be honest with that one, um, right, they're putting the final touches on that, but it is going to be um, send us an image. So send us a photograph of your, of your bike that you think could win it um we'll have a look at that and that's whether or not we're still debating how how we're we going to um to get down to that final um choice because um, obviously if we get a thousand entries then that's us having to look through a thousand uh thousand images and try and decide on which is the best one and we will all have our ideas so you know that could end up with being a bit of an argument <laughs> but i think at the end of the day uh, the mechanics that sit behind it uh will have that worked out well in advance um, but we certainly have uh, have decided that it'll be a, a photograph image, obviously. You can't show us. You, we can't come and have a look. So you submit your photographs, and then we'll work out the system that, uh, that allows us to choose the best one.
0: There's also an online sh- uh, survey running uh, up through the event. So if you uh, take part in that mm-hmm. survey, you'll be in the draw for an MTA gift voucher. It's a value of $100. Uh, a brilliant way for Ride Forever and, and the uh, parties that be to get a little bit of information from the punters as well.
1: You, dave yeah ab- absolutely um there's there's also a, a a main prize of uh of riding free for a year so what what that's gonna gonna entail is uh is we will pay your rego we'll pay your warrant not there any repairs that need to be done obviously but the cost of your warrant um we'll give you uh an MTO voucher for fuel for the, for the year. Um, we'll give you tyres and a service
0: Ah, and this is, so if people sign up for the Ride Forever course and then complete it within six months, they're in the draw for that ride for a year for free prize pack. Tens and C's apply, of course, but to the value of about two two $2,200. Yes, about that, yep. Wow, massive amount of prizes. And then we've got one, I think this is a cunning one, one little sneaky one. If you want to go in the draw for a massive butcher's barbecue box, uh, we've talked oh, about yeah. some wicked prizes there, but to be honest, you and I, Dave, the barbecue box would, would go down pretty well. All you need to do is head on to uh, shinysideup.co.nz, register your interest, and you'll get a reminder when the, uh, when the live stream starts happening. And if you just register your interest, you're in the draw for that
1: massive butcher's barbecue box. That's right. And we'll deliver it on time for you to have your barbecue and and watch the uh, the
0: event. Outstanding, man, that is a massive list of prizes, Dave.. Um, mm on top of this while we're doing the live stream people sitting at home on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever they choose to watch can ask questions of some of the uh some of the entities um, government entities and otherwise involved in shiny side up um, we're talking New Zealand police MSAC, ACC NZTA that's right isn't it
1: yep that's right so we'll be'll be, uh, be available to answer any questions that you might have Um in anything at all um so if there's a question that comes up um and we don't know um which i i doubt to be honest with with the with the people that we have in the room um but but if there is one that we that we don't know and you stumped us on and i hope there is one um we'll we'll go away and we'll 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 check out what the answer is and get back to you um so no no question will be it'll be left um we will respond to them um and like i said if we if we don't know we won't hide um, we'll let you know that we don't know the answer to that one, and we'll get the answer for you and post it up so that you you get a response, you get an answer to your question. What are some of the yeah.
0: normal questions that you get at these sorts of events? I'm picking the number one question you get is why is my registration so expensive? Oh, you nailed it!
1: <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. Um, that's 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 number one for sure. Um, we we have questions, obviously, about you know what is what is ride forever. What do I expect on the day? Um, where, what, what level should I sit at? You know, what should I do? Um, but certainly, uh, the registration one, uh, comes up every single time. Um, there's, there's, there's plenty of information out there. I think I've, I've done those, those videos through the years where, where I shared, uh, the reason for it. Um, it's, it's fairly simple. It's, it's, it's basic math, mathematics at the end of the day, right? Um, the cost, the cost of managing motorcycle claims, um, I think last year was $129 million.
0: And that essentially now, comes down to the fact that even a fender bender on a motorcycle is more likely to cause injury than a fender bender in a
1: car, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, we don't have the safety cage, we don't have the airbags. You know, we are our airbags, unless you've gone out and purchased a $1,000 airbag jacket. Um, and, and there's not too many of those out there at the moment um, but I, but I really hope that they do take off um, because they do work uh, but what what's interesting I guess is is you look at that 129 million dollars um, we only collect 23 million dollars direct from Reggio so we're, we're not even close to paying um, you know all of our fees not not even not even nearly uh, the rest of it comes from other road users contributions and you get the argument about oh yeah but they're always at fault you know it's them that knock us off well well guess what that that's not true 70 <laughs> percent roughly uh of, of bike bike crashes are actually the rider's fault um more likely in a in a in an urban setting that it's another vehicle going to be involved um but out in a, a rural setting where we all like to go and play um, we do we do things wrong we get it wrong in a corner very very often um, right right hand running off the road uh yeah same left hand left hand getting into the other 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 lane it's, it's just not pretty and we're getting it wrong every year the same crashes over and over and over again um so you know we we see it all the time um motorcyclists getting it wrong in a corner overtaking is uh, is a really bad one um, for motorcyclists. Um, if you have a look through the through the fatal claims, um, and they're all available on on, on uh, the MOT site. Um, yeah, overtaking is is a, a terrible one for us, um, and like I say, getting it wrong in the bend um, is is right up there, and, and we see it all the time. And one more that uh, pops up quite regularly.
0: One rebuttal to uh, to that is that. People have this conception that uh, off-road, farm bikes, trail bikes, motocross, uh, all of those accidents kind of come straight into the motorcycle side of things. They think that the government just see that and go, oh, it's on a motorbike, it, it must have been, you know, that, those stats count towards the road crashes. But they don't,
1: do they? No. So that, that's that been one of those ongoing myths that's gone on forever. Um, what, what it is is, is basically... Um, to, to, to be a, a motorcycle stat that we look at in the road system um, that crash has to happen on the road so if it happens in a, on a farm if it happens on a dirt track that's that comes out of a different account um, on, a, on a farm it's the work track it's the work account um, earners account if it's on the, the the tracks out in the middle of middle of nowhere then it's out of a recreational account which we all fund through our, through our general taxes. But if it happens on the road, um, then, then it comes into, into our account. Now, the, the, the interesting thing here is, is that farm bikes, there are a few farm bikes in there. And the, and the reason for that is is because, and I've gone over this so many times now, <laughs> but um, the reason for that is farm bikes are allowed to be on the road legally to get from one paddock to the next or to get from where they're working to, to, their, to their home base you know, you can't restrict them that way. So there's, they're legally entitled to be there. Um, Unfortunately, uh, if something happens while they're on the road, um, then yes, it's a motorbike. And yes, it's on the road, so it's included in our statistics.
0: But um, when when you and your mate go on the dirt bikes out in the middle of nowhere in a paddock and you come off and break your collarbone, that's not in
1: the statistics. That is not in the statistics. The only way it could be in the statistics, and this is where we see uh, a, a bit of a problem, I guess. Um, dirt bike riders, locally, and like you say, I'm 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 in the New East, so you know I see I see it here as well. Um, if you were to get your dirt bike, put it on the back of your truck or in a in, on a trailer, take it to your local um, your local fire breaks or whatever, and go and play, no problem at all. Um, however, what you see most often is riders riding through their local streets to get to the places they want to ride. Um, but while they're doing that, if they come off or if there's a crash, um, then obviously again. That's a motorbike. It's on the road. It's included in our stats. So, yes, there are um, trail bikes and there are farm bikes, um, but they're very specific about when that occurs. Um, and there aren't very many of them. So it's not like removing them is going to make a huge difference. It probably won't make any so um, we're, breaking, we're breaking down those
0: myths and we are sharing the information. And if you've got a question that you would like to put to ACC, New Zealand Police, MSAC, NZTA, any of those um, entities, then we welcome you to get, um, get involved on the Shiny Setup online live stream. Ask those questions. Get in the draw to win those wicked prize packs. Come in with an open mind and let's – Let's share some information. Let's talk to some incredibly talented um, and knowledgeful Shiny Side Up gurus, as we call them, and um, let's have a fantastic day. April 10th, Shiny Side Up Online. Dave Kelsey, thank you very much to you and your team for putting all the effort in behind the scenes and making this happen. Thank you for making yourself available for this uh, chat on the podcast today, and I look forward to catching up with you uh, in early April. Yes, yeah, so It'd be great
1: to see you. Thanks, right?
0: And that about wraps up the show. Thank you very much for listening. It's been a long one, I'm aware of that, and uh, it's been a bit of a talk fest, but, um, well, them's the break sometimes. Next week, we're going to have the return of a real Kiwi rider. Also, we are going to bring you some more of the latest in motorcycling news from around the country. Otherwise, this has been Kiwi Rider Podcast. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, sign up for a Ride Forever course too, by the way, why don't you? Uh, And we'll catch you in seven days' time. This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast was brought to you by Shiny Side Up. Join the Shiny Side Up team for a very special live stream event on the 10th of April for a chance to win your share of over $8,000 worth of prizes. We'll be joined by some awesome local and international motorcycling experts such as Chaotic Blonde, Sam McCafferty, Andrew Stroud, Kevin Williams, Dr. Chris Hurran, Jay Reeve, and Charlie Borman. Shiny Side Up Online, April 10th, 2022. Proudly brought to you by Ride Forever, ACC, Waka Kotahi New Zealand Transport Agency, and MSAC. For more information, check out the Shiny Side Up Facebook page or shinysideup.co.nz. And thanks for supporting Kiwi Rider Podcast.